Everybody, you are listening to List It, a show where me and a guest rank and list things in pop culture. Uh, the the idea behind this show is is trying to find a way to make arguing on the internet fun. And the only way to do that is to talk about pretty trivial things uh, that we take very seriously. <laughs> and this week, I'm very excited about my guest and about the topic. On with me today is my good friend John Mark McMillan. John Mark, how's it going, man? It is going great. It's good to be able to talk to you about trivial things today. <laughs> it, it, this the, Just recording these shows, I've been doing them for a while. We haven't released a ton, but I've been recording a lot behind the scenes. And I'm going to be honest, it is pretty therapeutic. You forget what's happening <laughs> in the world. And today, you, I love your background. For people who can't see you, you have framed comic books behind you. And today, we are uh, ranking and listing some of our favorite comic book uh, uh, adaptations. And so, yep. so I'm really excited about it. Um, but before we get to the list, uh, I, I want to, I want you have a live album coming out in just a couple weeks, right? Yep. October 30th. And there's several, you know, kind of singles coming out before and we'll put the record out. And then I did this recording actually last year. Okay. Uh, it was November 23rd. It's actually the last show I ever played. Oh man. Um, and, uh, hopefully not the last show I will ever play, but it's yeah. the last show I ever played so far. And, um, we did this live stream in London last year. Okay. And it, we really didn't plan to make a record out of it. But even when we finished that night, I was like, that was really good. And they captured the sound really well. It's like, we, we probably could make a live record out of that. And then, you know, since COVID, we haven't been able to tour. I started thinking more and more about it. And I thought, we should put that out as a live record. But yeah. there's stories in between it where I'm talking about songs and life and stuff. And I think that turned out pretty good, too. So we're going to do the record that's the live album. and then. We'll also put out a deluxe version with all of it and a lot oh, of the stories sweet. and stuff too. Yeah, then that'll be out. Did I say that October thirtieth? Yeah, that yeah, that's awesome, man. We hey, just in time to give a couple out to like whenever there. I don't, who knows what's gonna happen with like trick or treating this year. Like in my neighborhood, and my neighborhood's just as fun for the grownups <laughs> that, as it is for the kids, you know? know. But if I, I, that's perfect timing. You give a couple out to the the adult trick or treaters who look like the like the cool parents, you know. know. You give them the, the live album. So <laughs> I know it's a weird time. It's a weird time for everybody, uh, but yeah. but particularly artists because I know you know you typically spend a lot of time on the road. On the creative end, like recording and songwriting, what, what's that been like now that you know we've kind of been in this for a few months now? Well, so like it, I thought well at least to have all this time to like you know write new songs and maybe you know put out some singles or an album, and I think I will get around to that, but. I found it really challenging with all the kids at home. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, <laughs> constant distraction. And it's, I should be, you know, like disciplined enough to like shut it all out and like yeah. go to work. But it's been, it's been a little tough, you know, yeah. with the kids home. I mean, the good, the good thing is I've been able to spend a lot of quality time with the kids. So yeah, that's that, been good. But I haven't got the amount of work done that I, had anticipated. Yeah. Dude, that's me every day at 5:30. Like I did <laughs> I anticipated getting so much more d- done today. Um it, it is it is such a, a a weird time. Have you I've seen a lot of artists you know, and a live album kind of speaks to it a little bit. Have you considered like I saw uh like Drew Holcomb and Johnny Swim doing kind of these virtual shows where you you know play on Instagram or things like that? Have you have you considered doing that yet? Definitely. I definitely thought about it. Um 
We may still do it. Um, yeah, I, for a while I was doing videos, just like cover songs in my basement where I would just post. Yeah. I think for the first few weeks of COVID, I did it every single day. Oh, cool. I got a little burnout too. And then when things got really political and heated and angry, uh, I was like, nobody cares about my cover songs. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> political, heated, and angry. I must be missing something. <laughs> well, well, I'm pumped about the live album coming out. You have some singles too, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, of hey, dude. Yep. One comes out on Friday. Oh, nice. And, yeah. And there, I mean, there's, they're happening pretty fast, probably like every other week yeah. until the record comes out. So, so wh- where's the best place for people to go to, to keep up with the, the releases and get the, the new material when it drops? Yep, they can. If you really want to stay connected, go to my website, johnmartmcmillan.com and subscribe to the email because nice. the algorithms don't affect the email. But you can follow yeah. me on all the socials as well. Just they may or may not show you my content depending on yeah. how the algorithm likes me or not. It, isn't so that fun? Really wanna, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll tell like, you who it favors, but uh, like a crazy old classmate who posts political conspiracy theories. For some exactly. reason, I see them all the time, even though I haven't seen them in 20 years since graduation day. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> well, oh dude, I, I'm pumped about the new music. I'm pumped you're on the show today. And I'm excited about the topic because I feel like if people mainly, for people that mainly know you as a musician, uh, you're low key as your background kind of shows. You're low key a pretty big comic book fan. I'm a huge comic book fan. I wouldn't say an expert. I have friends who will school me, and even today I was like, I better get all this right, or I'm going to hear it from some of my friends. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm a huge fan ever since I was a kid. And um, then when I when we started having kids, and uh, especially the boys, little girl too, she's into them too. But I was able to like get back into comics. Yeah. I was like, this is like one of the best parts of having kids i get to do this again and it's it's, it's awesome. totally true there's a couple on my list that i've watched with my son uh you know re- recently but when i how how old are your kid how old are your, your boys that are into comics john mark my boys are 12 and 9 okay so mine is seven and so he's at the age where it's like you know what? i should probably re-watch that movie before i watch it with him you know what i'm saying <laughs> because like especially some of the, yeah. the ones that i haven't seen in a long time in my mind i'm like nah, it's not, no big deal so i've actually like rewatched a lot of these pretty <laughs> recently twice yep. because you want to preview for the kids dude that's the way i do it i go see it first time on my own in the theater then i'll take the kids the second time and then we'll watch it when it comes out on yeah. tv yeah, that's yeah. that's got the fun of it. So so uh, so today we're going to be and here. So here's how the show works. If if uh, someone's listening for the first time, uh, my guest goes first and lists their their things on their list. And today we're talking about uh, favorite comic book adaptations. And if there's any crossover, I'll jump in and kind of sh- tell listeners where that item landed on my list. Um, and if for any ones that that we didn't hit on yours, I'll go through on mine. So so Sweet. John Mark, we'll we'll start with yours. What is uh, what is the? We'll go from last to first. So, so what is? Yep. Uh, uh, where, where does your list start with adaptations? Yep. So number five, I'm saying, and the first few seasons. Now, I'm not. Um, I'm not going to vouch for the entire okay. you know, series, but the first few seasons of The Walking Dead were pretty uh, fantastic. And I yeah. don't think a lot of people know The Walking Dead had a big part with relaunching the comic book craze. Mm. You know, it's sort of brought back Image Comics, which in the 90s was sort of the, you had like Marvel and DC. And in the yeah. 90s, all the best creators for Marvel and DC left and started Image, right? Which is where you get like Spawn and Shadowhawk and Youngblood. And you yeah. may not know a lot of those because Image kind of collapsed. Because I think the 
the artists were all, <laughs> they didn't have a boss. Right? Yeah. So they're yeah. living it up, right? Sort of like the rock star story. Yeah. You know, and one of the guys, uh, one of the original creators came in and sort of rebranded the, um, you know, the whole organization. And he signed this guy who had this zombie comic book. And he's like, really a zombie comic book? Yeah. You know, <laughs> anyways, and he almost, he's like, well, it's, a, it's they, they do have an interesting, um, sort of format i think where it's basically like you invest and so it's kind of like the indie version of comic books right yeah you know like the big labels are like marvel and dc and so image is kind of indie so like okay well we'll go for it and it became like an insanely popular book and really sort of re um it it sort of brought image comics back from the dead and independent comic books for sure and then of course the the show was huge oh yeah but but Walking Dead is one of my favorites, especially the first three. I think people are a little tired of it because they started making a lot of money. I think they yeah. overdid it. Yeah. But just the idea, the idea to me is incredible. It's not really a, about zombies. It's about trying to keep your family together in the worst situations and trying not to become, you know, what's the Nietzsche quote? While fighting monsters, take care that you don't become one, which yeah. I think is super relevant to today. Yeah. yeah. We was always looking for food, you know? It always came down to food. And I was, I was checking out a cellar. And I didn't want Dwayne to come down there with me. And then when I came up, she was standing there right in front of him. And he had his gun up. And he couldn't do it. So I called to him. And he turned. And then she was just, just on him. And I see red. I see red. Everything is red. Everything I see is red. And I do it. Finally. Finally, it was too late. I was supposed to. I was selfish. I was weak. You gave me the gun. Hey, your boy. Is he dead? No. No? He will be. See, because people like you good people, they always die. And the bad people do too. But the weak people, the people like me, we have inherited the earth. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's funny that that almost was my number five pick. And the only reason I didn't include (laughs) it was because I felt like the show lasted a little bit too long for its own good. And and, and it kind of started departing from the narrative of, and honestly, part of the spirit of the comic book too. Yeah, you know, when, so. when it became more focused on villains than heroes, I feel like it, it, yeah. you know you kind of you kind of lose some of the magic for it. But you know, th- were you a fan of the comic before the show, or did you kind of go back, to, or did you go to the comic after the the AMC series kicked off? I was aware of the comic, but I wouldn't say I was a fan. It's not that I didn't like it; I just don't know that I. Yeah, you know, it's there's a lot of material out there. It's not one of the things I was able to like experience fully before yeah. the the show. And even now, I know a little bit about the comic, but I'm so deep in the show, I'm I haven't 
jumped back in the comic. And it's also not, it's pretty violent book too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I keep comics around the house, like <laughs> to make sure my kids aren't jumping into some of those, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but, but I do feel like the, and, and the series stay true to that because if people haven't yeah. seen it, it is incredibly violent, especially for like a network show, you know, it's AMC. Yeah, it's totally. not like it's HBO, <laughs> but I remember watching those first episodes where, uh, you know, it kind of starts with like the, the zombie trope. Cause it's the same way that, um, uh, the movie, uh, what was it? Uh, 28 days later started with mm-hmm. a guy waking up in the hospital to realize <laughs> the world's succumbed to a zombie invasion. Yeah. But the pacing of the show, the production, I mean, quality, it's, I mean, I think it'll be remembered as one of the most important television shows of sort of the modern era. Um, yeah. But it, it it does still have that kind of punk rock spirit that you were saying from like the comic books. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this happens a lot in culture when some, when someone does something really, really well, everyone copies it. Yeah. And then you forget that the original is so great. I think Coldplay is like that. They're one of those bands that are just incredible and everyone copied them. And yeah. so- you forget like they did it first and how they're great. Yeah. You know, but you forget. I think that's pretty common. Yeah. Well, well, walking dead is a solid pick. Like I said, it was on my bubble. I had a long, <laughs> my, I've, I've recorded a bunch of these and I always have like my honorable mentions, my bubble list, yeah. you know, uh-huh. and it's so hard to narrow it down to five. Okay. So walking dead and I'm, I'm totally with you. I think it, it deserves recognition and it deserves the, the success it's had, especially those early seasons. What is your number four pick for best comic book adaptation? My number four pick is uh, the Daredevil series for Netflix. Okay. Oh yeah, I love I loved the Daredevil series. Um, it's it's similar to the Walking Dead theme. I don't know. I'm attracted to this theme, but yeah, kind of the Daredevil theme is like you know he's a um he's a blind lawyer by yeah. day and at night he's like um this vigilante, you know. Yeah. And so sort of the theme of Daredevil is is kind of similar to the Walking Dead in that like. You know, he's sort of dealing with things on the up and up during the day as the lawyer. Yeah. And then at night, he's got to try to, you know, kind of bend the rules, but not bend them so far that his conscience is going to yeah. haunt him, you know? And so I also love how the um, Daredevil, especially at the end of the first episode, he like, he fights like these 15 guys. Yeah. But it's so real because he like knocks out 15 guys, but barely like if there was a 16th guy, he would, yeah. have made it, you know, yeah. yeah. it's like, you feel the work. Like I felt like I was working out watching that yeah. episode, you yeah. know, but I, I loved that series. It was super dark and super awesome for Netflix. Yeah. Also the Punisher, you know, John Bernthal, you know, he plays Shane in the walking dead. Yeah. You know, he sort of makes his first appearance as the Punisher. And I thought he's one of the best cast Marvel characters in the history of, the franchise, in my opinion. He's got that big jaw that looks like, dude, yeah. that guy's the Punisher. Well, let me ask you this about the 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 Marvel mo- the Netflix Marvel movies. Because, you know, there's yeah. uh, Jessica Jones, there's Daredevil, there's Punisher. And, you know, I and I'm not an MCU expert, but I know they're sort of connected. They're within the overall cinematic universe, to my understanding. Yeah. But stylistically, like you said, there's this there's a rawness to them. There's a physicality to them. It's like for the Netflix characters, you know, we have like in the MCU at the same time, like Spider-Man is going to outer space, you know, across the universe (laughs) to fight like, you know, alien gods, you know, we have superheroes on Netflix who's are all in like hell's kitchen. It's pretty much all Mm -hmm. takes place in this small kind of neighborhood in New York. 
And most of them, their powers like I can punch like really hard. But like you said, <laughs> don't let that sixteenth guy come. Yeah, yeah. I know you. I know you're a fan of the MCU, uh, but yeah. what did you think about kind of the the dark, more raw departure they took for the Netflix series, like Daredevil? I really enjoyed it. I mean, because you know, I think with uh, the the films, there's only so far they can go with yeah. the films. I mean, the DC, you know, universe is sort of they've sort of decided to embrace the darkness, I guess, because of the the Batman franchise, you know, Yeah. which I felt like maybe wasn't the best decision for them. You know, like, I don't need like Wonder Woman, like decapitating somebody. Which I thought (laughs) the Wonder Woman movie was pretty good, you know, but I wondered if they took the grit a little too far, but I like that they allowed for it, Yeah. you know, in the Punisher and in the Daredevil series. I thought that was really interesting for a Marvel series. And and there seems to be in the Netflix series like more humanity to the characters yeah. where, you know, early on in the MCU, the, the, I feel like you got a little bit more of that. But then, you know, you see like Guardians come along or, um, you, you know, like r- what, what happened with like Ragnarok where it's like, look, people seem to be attracted to half sort of comedy, half comic book, half action, half like <laughs> yeah, kind yeah. of space operas. So we'll just take yep. it that direction where the, where the earthbound characters like, you know, a blind lawyer, but there's also these like sort of religious themes in daredevil mm. too, yeah. that, you know, I, I felt like really made added a layer of complexity when it, when it brings in like the faith element, particularly to Daredevil, how did you feel like the show did kind of addressing his kind of complicated relationship with faith? Um, I thought it was, I thought they did a good job. Um, you know, it's been a minute since I've watched the entire series. Yeah. You know, um, but I, I liked that, you know, there's always like, you know, he's the devil. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of the theme, right? It's like, how, how are you going to deal with the devil? within yourself right yeah yeah you know and so they do keep coming back to that sort of uh religious theme i and i really enjoyed it i don't know that it was ever at any point um over the top yeah. i thought they i thought they did a good job with it without yeah. getting you know too overboard with it daughter again and I will know but you know the second season spoiler he's like living in the basement of a um, of a cathedral you know (laughs) he's living in a church yeah so it also makes for great imagery and he's going out and like killing people and living in the church it's you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's not it's not the most light handed metaphor, but still it, it works. It works. It's still yeah, a great yeah, series. Yeah. All right, so yeah. Walking Dead, Daredevil. What do you have for your number yep. three favorite comic adaptation? My number three, which by the way, I started with ten, and I realized okay. I cut a few out. So there's a lot that could literally be four or five, but the top three, since we're getting into top three, so I have several yeah. that could, you know, easily compete. Let's do that. Let's talk about your bubble ones real quick. Like which yeah, yeah. ones so, you started with 10 and, and which ones like were right on the brink, but didn't quite crack the list. Yeah. Well, and honestly, they probably should have, but I love the humanity and daredevil. And I love what the walking dead did for comic books and this, the genre in general. Yeah. But you know, um, obviously, uh, Avengers Endgame. Yeah. you know, it's such a great movie. Like I feel bad that it's not on this list. 
Yeah. You know, but it could easily be on this list just depending on the day of the week. But what yeah. an incredible movie. I mean, yeah. just sheer, just the effects, you know, yeah. and bringing so many characters together. And that's what I love about, you know, growing up reading comic books, you know, like, and I think they used it initially as a way to get you to buy more books. Like, mm-hmm. all right, we're going to spread the story out through all of these titles. You know, Spider-Man's going to be with the Avengers and then the Hulk and the and Thor are going to have their books and the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. You know, they're all yeah. kind of together. Like, okay, we're going to spread the story out. So you got to buy like all five books. Yeah. And they still do that today. I still got to buy like seven books to know what's happening. Yeah. In, in just the X-Men universe, right? But... um. And they did that with the movie, and I just I thought that was incredible, you know. And then on yeah. top of it, like just they just made such a great movie. The whole story, Tony Stark, of course, is the like, you know, the sort of playboy, just most selfish human alive who over the movies becomes like an okay guy. And he finally yeah. has found like his place. Yeah. You know, like his place of happiness. He's given up the guns, the weapons, the money, the girls, and he has his family, and he's He's gone from being one of the most selfish people alive to being like a decent human being. And then they're like, all right, are you willing to risk it all for your yeah. friends? It's like, oh, it's, it's a pretty heavy story. Yeah. You know? Well, it, the, the other great thing about Endgame is it wasn't afraid to pay some fan service. Like it knew, like everyone knew before it came out, this could be the biggest movie of all time. Like this could be yeah. the biggest movie ever. Yeah. And they could have played it safe and been like, look, if this is your introduction point, We'll we'll catch you right up, and there'll be a standalone story. It's like no, no, this straight up picks up. You know, the first scene is basically yeah. part of the last movie. Is yeah, is yeah, it's totally. it, it's the results of Thanos' snap, and then not only that, but the the linchpin of the plot. If you hadn't seen a lot, most of the other movies in the 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 MCU. A lot of it is is kind of like, well, I can probably figure this out, but because it, for people that somehow haven't seen it, but have decided to download this podcast anyway, we're talking about comic book adaptations. <laughs> you know, they go back to you know scenes in old mo- in some of the, yeah. the the older movies in the franchise. I appreciate that the that they were willing to kind of take that creative risk mm-hmm. and and not dumb it down for fans and actually allow yeah. them to kind of revisit some some great movies. So in game yeah. on the bubble, what were the other ones that were tight that didn't quite make the top five, but but you wanted to put in there? Oh gosh, I mean, I love Thor Ragnarok. I thought it was great. Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy, um, uh, several Batman movies, you know, because one of those is in my top three. And yeah. So I'm not going to say which ones didn't make it just yet, but several of the Batman movies. Yeah. Um, gosh, there's. Uh, so many of the Marvel movies are really good. Yeah, it, it's tough. I feel like you, you, what's funny is when I it, it, so your first two are are Walking Dead and Daredevil. Daredevil's yeah. technically MCU, but it's not yeah, yeah. like one of the MCU movies. And I know yeah. that that you you were you were a fan of the whole franchise, but it's interesting that two of the ones on there aren't like MCU movies. So, uh, <laughs> so but that goes to kind of show like the level that the comic book adaptation is kind of taken in, in culture yeah. and on television in particular. All right, John Mark, uh, we have Walking Dead, Daredevil. We yep. know in games on the outside. What is your number yep. three favorite? Chart? Number three. So numbers one, two, three, honestly, could all literally fall anywhere. On you yeah, know, like they could all be number one. Yeah. So it wasn't really hard for me to pick one through three. It's be it's really hard to f- pick which of one through three is one, two, and three. Yeah. But I'll just just for conversation, I'm going to go with number three is Spider Verse. 
Spider-Man oh, nice. Into the Spider-Verse. It could easily be number one. Yeah. Do it like you. I see the spark in you. It's amazing. Hands up! Whatever you choose to do with it, you'll be great. It's actually number one on my list. So yeah. uh, I, uh, I'm interested. What's your what's your uh, Into the Spider-Verse take? Well, so first of all, just the animation is incredible. Yeah. Like just absolutely incredible. And when you watch it and you look at all the little um, details, I don't do animation. Like I do little sketches and stuff. But when you see like he's singing and this pencil is here and just like the way he turns his mouth, you're like, how do they make that? So-? Like, I believe yeah. I'm watching a real person, but I know it's not real. Yeah. And I don't mean he looks like a real person. I mean, it's a drawing, but like he, you know, like all the, he has all the inflection of a real human being. Yeah. You know? And they do, they do that in all animation, but just that one particular, like just all the little details, the little nuances. That actually, like I said, it was the number one on my list because it captured visually. I think there's a lot to unpack with the story, but visually it yeah. captured sort of the magic of opening a comic book. You know, there's that feeling, even the pages have a certain texture to them. And when the color's right and the, you know, the yeah. frames feel like a storyboard in a movie, and, you know, they were really able to capture that with even how, like I said, that visual texture that's kind of laid over top of, of the movie and the way that they, like you said, captured movement. Yeah. It, it feels like what the experience is when you're actually reading a comic book. Yep. Well, pre-90s, they did the, you know, the colors, the different colors with dots. You know, if you look really mm-hmm. closely, they have little dots. So to create the different colors they could, I guess they couldn't get with one type of ink. And you yeah. see that a lot in Spider-Verse as well. They actually have the little dots. It's just really, really amazing yeah. visually. Well, and then aside from visually, I feel like it's the most comic booky of comic books because yeah. like it's kind of like to your point about the MCU, anyone who who has kind of a, a background in comic books knows that the the idea of a multiverse of alternative realities yeah. or kind of adjacent storylines and sort of like what ifs that's that's sustained a lot of stories for a long time especially like with you know yep. the, you can kill superman five times if he's in alternate timelines <laughs> or alternate realities and yeah. get people to buy the but books no. <laughs> but but spider-verse did it in a way that one made sense from a narrative perspective you know this sort yeah. of like uh alternate you know that they have that great scene of exposition early on where spider-man's in, in class and like the they're watching a movie from like a you know uh, a theoretical physicist talking about alternate realities to kind of set the stage for it yeah. but it actually made narrative sense of why all these spider-men or or in this case you know spider-women are are coming together you know, you are a father and father and son is a huge theme of the movie. What was it yep. like seeing the movie as a dad into the Spider-Verse? Uh, I, I loved it. It was great. Yeah. It's probably my kid's favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. It was, it was such a great movie. Yeah. And his, um, you know, Miles, his sort of, um, he's trying to figure out who he is. You know, he's trying to sort himself out. You know, yeah. and his relationship with his dad is really important. And I love all the, all the jokes. Dad's the cop and he... Makes him say "I love you" through the, you know, the, yeah, uh, the, little police the speaker, loudspeaker, yeah, police car, all that kind yeah. of stuff is great. And whoever I, I don't don't know off the top of my head who did the voice of his dad, but you just is just a really amazing vocal performance. It just sounded yeah. really convincing. You know, they sounded like they had chemistry. It was real funny talking about an animation, but I'm yeah. you get all the emotion of 
a real film. Yeah. Miles. Uh, Miles is your dad. Please open the door. Miles, I can see your shadow moving around. Yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. It's still ignoring me. Look, can we talk for a minute? Something... Um, something happened. Look, sometimes people drift apart, Miles. And I don't want that to happen to us, okay? Look, I know I don't always do what you need me to do or say what you need me to say, but I'm... I see this, this spark in you. It's, it's amazing. It's why I push you, but it's yours. Whatever you choose to do with it, you'll be great. Look, call me when you can, okay? I love you. You don't have to say it back, though. But leaning back into the comic book thing, I think what's really interesting, the the film itself is super meta. Mm-hmm. You know, even a lot of the themes, like it's almost making fun of itself in one sense. So it has, it's not taking itself too seriously, but at the same time, it's like a pretty emotional movie. Yeah. Right? There's a real emotional weight to the movie, at least in my opinion. You know, but even the idea of a, a multiverse, it's sort of like comic books, they don't move as fast as real life. So at some point, you have to figure out how to get the characters in real life. Yeah. You know, because you have a book of like how many pages, like 20 pages, and you have like a handful of words on each page. So, you know, they realize like we have these awesome characters who are like 50 years old. How do we make them make sense? Yeah. You know, today, how is like Peter Parker still like 22? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, it's been around 50 years, you know, or and they have to reboot it. And so they always do. It's like cheating. Sort of like time travel and multiverses are all are like cheating. Yeah, you know, it's always like, oh, we don't know what to do, so we're going to either time travel or the multi or do a multiverse. Yeah, and so I like how instead of like cheating, they're like, all right, we're just going to straight up just do this. We're going to make a whole movie about yeah. the <laughs> the yeah. cheat, you know. But I I like the statement that it makes. It's sort of like, all right, we want we realize it's time to think differently about a lot of subjects. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to like try and do like a total reboot the whole movie is going to be a reboot of the way you think about yeah. comic books and heroes and people in general, you know, and I love it, that. Well, the, and I think, you, you know, the, the kind of meta nature of it, the father son dynamics, the visuals, it, it, it's so such a great movie. The other thing too is, you know, with the miles character, you have someone on the brink of greatness that, but still struggling with yeah. insecurity and self doubt. Yeah. But then you have someone on the other side of greatness. You have Peter Parker, who's, you know, kind of the pot-bellied, living alone, you know, kind of broken relationship, (laughs) you know, voiced by Jake Johnson, who honestly, you know, kind of, if you were like, what does a washed up Spider-Man look like? He was like, oh, the guy from New Girl. It looks just like, but like, um, (laughs) I I appreciate the juxtaposition of those themes. And, Uh, you know, I, as you know, we're both dudes and, you know, around the same-ish age, you know, uh, that, you know, you can look back at your 20s and 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 times, you know, that, that were, were a bit more youthful and kind of relate to some of the struggles that Peter Parker has of like complacency, you know, like someone who, you know, for in his case, he kind of realizes that he's 
not only he sort of passes prime because he doesn't really care anymore. Not because mm-hmm. there is still is a greatness ahead for him. He really captures the, those kind of middle age insecurities really well. And it's just an interesting juxtaposition with Miles's character who's coming into greatness and Peter Parker being like, I don't really care about greatness. You know, kind of this jaded yeah. cynic, you know? Totally. Well, and, and they kind of don't, it's sort of like they kind of don't care about greatness from both sides of the equation. Like Miles is like, he's purposely failing a test, you yeah. know? And his teacher's like, you realize it's a multiple choice. Like if you had just guessed, you would have got, 50%, but you got a zero. She's like, you have to know the answer to all the questions to get a zero on this test. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, even the, even the line about your shoes untied, he's like, it's a choice. You know, he's sort of like afraid of what it means to engage, you know, in his yeah. life in a way, you know, maybe he's afraid of the responsibility, you know, and then, you know, Peter Parker has sort of like foregone responsibility altogether, yeah. you know, and, and they both sort of have to, Miles has to sort of step up and say, okay, what does it mean if I do something and I'm good at it, then I'm going to be responsible for something, you know? And then maybe it's Peter saying, okay, well maybe it's time I re-engage with my life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. The the other thing I feel like that's worth mentioning with that movie is John Mulaney, like as spider pig, (laughs) like my, my, like it it was as funny to me as it was my seven year old son for different (laughs) reasons. You know? And then the other thing is like Nick Cage is like noir Spider-Man, you know? It's like, I wonder if Nick Cage was in on the joke. I wonder if they're, if he even read the script, they're just like, hey man, you're like noir Spider-Man. Can you read these lines for a day? You know, like Nick Cage is the is like as weird in real life that you're like, oh, I, don't, I don't care. Like, I don't even know if he's seen Spider. I don't even know if he, what he was reading it for. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like that wouldn't totally shock me, but they also added like a great sort of, both of those characters, yep. a great uh, comedic element. All right, Walking Dead, Daredevil, uh, Into the Spider-Verse. All right, down to the top two. What is your number two favorite comic book adaptation? Top two. Number two, I'm going to say, is the Watchmen series on HBO. Mm. We are no one. We are everyone. And we are invisible. We convinced ourselves that they were gone. But they were just hibernating. Excellent choice. That's actually uh, my number three on my list. All right. Yeah. Yep. Well, just unbelievable. I think it's the best thing I've seen in years. Yeah. Of anything. I mean, yeah. the, the twist, like, it, at first it feels... And there was a point, my wife and I watched it together, which the fact that she was really into it is, like, pretty interesting. Yeah. Because she... I mean, she'll watch these movies, but... She wanted to watch that. At the end of every episode, she's like, you want to watch another one? I'm like, well, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But at a point, probably three or four episodes in, she looked at me and she's like, is this like lost? Where like they create all these questions, and uh, but they don't really have any direction. They're just creating questions just to captivate your interest, you know, as long yeah. as they can, but they don't. And I was like, I, sh- I hope not. But I've heard that they're not doing a next season. So I think that they have to wrap it all up. They must yeah. have a plan in any way. And then, you know, two thirds, three quarters of the way through, you're like, Oh my gosh, all of it is part of the story. Yeah. All of it makes sense. All of it is important. It's not just weird questions. Like it's actually part of the story. I thought that was pretty incredible. Yeah. And the interesting thing is it's from Damon Lindelof, who was a showrunner at lost. And, you know, 
he yeah. bore a lot of the criticism for <laughs> Lost kind of like I mean, I guess people at this point have I don't feel like there's any middle ground with the Lost finale. It's either people who are like like literally pissed and angry that they invested like years into this show for it to kind of end on these ambiguous notes or people thought, "Oh, what a beautiful sort of poetic ambiguous ending." But Damon Lindelof took that really personally and you know, I read interviews with him where it like shook his confidence as a oh, filmmaker. Wow. And it was like, I don't, you know, he, he kind of got in, uh, you know, you kind of get the impression he got in a little bit over his head and ABC mm -hmm. wanted more seasons where he's like, well, yeah. I guess we got to just ask exactly. more questions. But with Watchmen, the strategic kind of execution from Damon Lindelof and HBO. But the other thing too, it, it's sort of in a lot of ways, the opposite of Into the Spider-Verse where Into the Spider-Verse wanted to take everything about comics that sort of made them magic and bring it to movies. Where this yeah. is in Lindelof, where it's a remix of a comic. It's yeah. It's loosely. It's taking loose narrative interpret uh, uh, inspiration, but in terms of the form and execution, it's a contemporary product. It is a yeah. hard edge, modern, artful HBO show. Yeah. And the the other thing is its blend of contemporary storylines of you know yeah. starting with the the Tulsa race massacre. You know, yeah. it, it introduced a lot of people to that. That was kind of a forgotten thing in, in, in American history in a lot of circles. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, it's really interesting from the comic book perspective. It's a true sequel to the Alan Moore uh, yeah. Watchmen run. Yeah. And the Alan Moore, you know, Watchmen series, um, which I think was pretty much a one shot. And I think that um, I think he, he had a bunch of characters no one was using. I think there's some ownership involved. He's like, no one wants these characters. So this yeah. is what I think I remember hearing. Okay. I could be totally wrong. Yeah. But he took these characters and like, what would this be if they were real life? Like they're washed up and they're, you know, they're done. And they're like, yeah. this guy is in the mental institution. Someone's dead. Someone's in jail. And these other guys, they don't want to do it anymore. What would it, that was that's probably what superheroing would be like. At some point, you'd be like, "Oh, I'm just done with this," you know. Yeah, yeah. And so, but the the comic is one of the best runs of all time, in my personal opinion. Um, you know, and so I didn't really love the film. I start, yeah. I tried to watch the film later, but I think it's pretty true to the comic. Yeah, it's just sort of like it's just a little cheesy. I, I think I don't know. I, and maybe yeah. I already knew what was going to happen. It's like, it's, but the the series is a true sequel, you know, yeah. it, it, it takes, it, it carries on, you know, um, but it's also kind of a reboot at the same time, you know, yeah. and, and what they do in the comic, the way they sort of turn everything upside down, they're like, what would it really be like, you know, and they do kind of this other type of meta thing where there's actually a comic book going on inside of a comic book. Well, they have a similar thing where they have a TV show going on inside of a TV show, Yeah, you know, um, but the, I read this article because I was – there's a lot of complex things going on in Watchmen. I read this article today in The Atlantic, you know, and, and this was in The Atlantic. It says, uh, but Watchmen itself is the internet. Mm. It's a fictionalized manifestation of things online has begotten polarization, anonymity, doxing, red-pilling, weaponizing, nostalgic conspiracy theories, this – Supposed imposition of cultural orthodoxy, a sense of victimization that's twisted into racist resentment. You know, it's like it's really, really interesting because it's also like a little bit of a mirror image to the world we're living in. Now you have this yeah. sort of liberal superstar president, right, who sort of passed both reparations and gun control, you know, yeah. but it sort of sent the country into, uh, you know, a downward spiral. Yeah. You know. 
Uh, and then the police are the victims, you know, like there's this group out, you know, killing police officers. And yeah, these are all the political things you have going on now. It's sort of like a mirror image, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's really interesting that they, I, I you know, like you said, the racial justice and sort of the power dynamics. There's also a little bit of a, a little bit of a liberal overreach kind of thing going on at the mm. same time. So they, I, I think it's pretty fair. They fairly criticize everybody yeah. in Watchmen. Yeah. And it's pretty brutal all the way around. Yeah. You know, and I kind of appreciated that about it, you know, that it didn't feel like propaganda. It didn't feel one-sided, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the other thing too is like, it's hard to make art that has a message or in this case, multiple messages yeah. that doesn't, feel preachy that it's yeah. like, okay, stripped of, stripped of any sort of political context or social context or, 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 uh, you know, kind of contemporary, um, uh, you know, commentary is, does on its own, is it, is it really entertaining and challenging and compelling to watch? And that's what mm. it's like. It nailed that too. But just like you said, yeah. like you, you guys, you know, you and your wife, like wanting to fire up the next one after, after one ended. Totally. And then the end of the whole you know, season was just absolutely incredible. Like, yeah. didn't see it coming at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it was definitely Lindelof saying, "Look, I can handle an ending if you just like yes. to, let's forget about the loss thing for a minute, okay? Like, I got it. So, all right, so uh, that was that was right on the bubble for me too. I have a feeling I know what your number one is, um, and yeah. I'm, I'm I'm not going to uh, venture a guess, but um, uh, uh, I do think it's notable that well you know what let's let's go to your number one and then we'll uh <laughs> I, I i have just one observation about your list that that i'm interested to hear your take on all right well it's christopher nolan's dark knight that, yeah I, yeah one. it's gotta be yeah. it's gotta be <laughs> where do we begin a year ago these uh cops and lawyers wouldn't dare cross any of you i mean what happened so what are you proposing it's simple kill the batman Here's my card. And I got to be honest, I kind of cheated on this one. And I left it off my list because I knew it was going to be, I knew it had to be on yours. I just did a Christopher Nolan episode. So I'm like, okay, Definitely. I'll let John Mark uh, do his Dark Knight thing. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, it's it's one of the most incredible movies of all time, if you yeah. ask me. Yeah. The, you know, and so definitely one, if not the best comic book movie of all time. I feel like a lot of times in comic book movies, I think studios realize like, oh, we can make a lot of money if people get to see Wolverine, you know, or like yeah. if we have the rights to the Fantastic Four, fans are going to come, but they don't tr take it seriously and make a good movie out of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, they kind of take it for granted. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, but Christopher Nolan like could have made The Dark Knight about other things and it would have been an incredible movie. Like, yeah, it's just an in incredible movie, you know? So you have like, you know, um, the the running theme throughout the movie is choice, right? Yeah. I think they filmed a lot of it in Chicago. So the river, I think of the river as like the river's a character in the movie. Mm. You constantly see the river, you know, um, even when uh, Batman goes to get the guy in Hong Kong, what does he do? He like flies across the river in yeah. Hong Kong, grabs the guy, brings him back. The final scene with the two boats on the river yeah um you know but there's a constant of this back and forth of this binary type thinking you know harvey two-face is two-faced he flips a coin it's one side or the other yeah. right 
And then you have like in the middle of the movie. I mean, I'm hoping your listeners have seen this movie. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm, sure. I'm not trying to ruin anything, but yeah. If you haven't you know, seen dark Knight by now, I, yeah, I know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why are we even friends? If you haven't seen, dark <laughs> yeah, Knight? but you know, in the middle of the movie, you know, you have the choice between like the girlfriend and saving Harvey, you know, like yeah. it's constantly about choice. And then you have, well, then also the movie itself is the second of three. So the movie is in the middle between three, you know? And so this whole story is sort of Batman is constantly you in between these two forces. You have the Joker who's a nihilist, you know, and says, what doesn't kill us makes us stranger. Yeah. You know, he doesn't believe there's any meaning. And so only meaning is to have fun or is to, you know, is to, you know, there's yeah. sort of n- no rules whatsoever. Yeah, corrupt, corrupt the noble yeah. and, 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 you know, what she tries to do for, ba- you know, he loves it when yeah. Batman results to physically trying to extract information from him. Like that's was the goal yeah. or burning the mob's money is sort of yeah. like the whole point is to show that your <laughs> side is greed. His side is justice. And they're both yeah. in his opinion, like BS that he's going to show you is BS. He's either going to burn exactly. it down or, or take you down with him. Totally. The ultimate nihilist. And then you have sort of Harvey, who's kind of the, um, you know, he's kind of the fundamentalist. He's sort of like, these are the rules. We're going to win by the rules. We're going to do it by the rules. Joker's like, rules are a, an illusion. I'm going to show you there are no rules. Yeah. You know, and then you sort of have, you know, Batman is sort of stuck in between those two, you know. Yeah. Between like trying to do the right thing, but then also realizing like it's difficult to get things done inside the system because the system is also corrupt. You know, yeah. So it's just a really beautiful story about you know, sort of trying to live. You know, it's really about chaos and order, and that's what Batman's story is always about. It's about chaos and order. You know, can I bring order into the world without losing the things that I love at the same time? Yeah. You know, or how do I exist in a world of both chaos and order? You know, too much order is is you know, you just you suffocate, you die. Too much chaos is. You're crushed, you're destroyed, you're burned alive, right? So sort of Batman is, without getting too philosophical, philosophical, he's kind of like us trying to figure out how to ride the line between those two. Yeah, and especially the timing of the film, you know, in the years following 9-11, where everyone's asking these questions in different kind of ways. Mm -hmm. You know, like, what's the, you know, I mean, surveillance, you know, him, you know, using surveillance unethically is a plot point in the film. And it kind of, and it plays with a lot of that tension. Now I I noticed I, I, uh, so real quick to review, you got walking dead, daredevil into the spider verse, Watchmen and dark Knight as number one. Uh, I have, I have Watchmen and into the spider verse on my list. I, my number five, it, this is this is what I wanted to talk about. One observation that, that I had that, that I thought was interesting with your list as a comic book fan. My number five, and and I'll, I have to unpack it for a minute to justify why it's on the sure. list. But my number five is 300, um, right. which was, uh, you know, based on the Frank Miller, uh, com- yep. where Frank Miller, comic book royalty, wrote Dark Knight Returns. We Spartans are descended from Hercules himself, taught never to retreat, never to surrender taught that death in the battlefield is the greatest glory he could achieve in his life. Spartans, the finest soldiers the world has ever known. The thing that I felt like, the reason I want to include it, I know that you, there's, a, there's a lot of problematic elements with three, 300, <laughs> but, when you, when, but the first time you saw it, it felt like where Into the Spider-Verse mimicked the feel of opening a comic book and touching it and having this texture... 300 unlocked what the comic books does for the imagination 
where it's yeah. this literal world that everything feels like a painting. And you know, the storyboard for the film was frames from the book. But yeah. it, I think the the reason obviously the source i mean look the the story isn't even that great you know what i mean it's a very uncomplicated story but it it showed it kind of introduced the world to Zack Snyder who yeah. went on to you know it was this, it was actually only Zack Snyder's second film he went on uh he made that watchman remake the yeah. the movie he he was a big part of man of, of basically the whole dc universe you know he's he's now working on the snyder cut uh, yeah. uh, you know, kind of his director's cut of of uh, uh, Batman v Superman. Now, I, the work of Zack Snyder is is absent in your list, and I know he's a polarizing figure in kind of comic book in kind of the 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 comic book world. You know, and like I said, th- three hundred without the context of it introducing people to Zack Snyder's style, it wouldn't be on the list. But I feel like yeah, yeah. it showed like, hey, this guy can actually make something that you haven't seen before it's 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 visually different it's shot all green screen what is your what's your opinion on the work of Zack Snyder as a filmmaker um I'm not against Zack Snyder in fact I like a lot of his movies like um the 300 what I loved about 300 because being a big comic book fan like I feel like it looks like he actually pulled actual images from yeah the comic. I think yeah. um as far as the other DC movies you know like the um Batman versus Superman, I actually kind of liked. I actually think Ben Affleck is for uh, for the character, in my opinion, is the best Batman. Hmm. I thought really? he portrayed because to be, I mean, obviously Christian Bale, like he's amazing. So you know, yeah, um, Michael Keaton, I, I liked him in the nineties, but I don't know, I, you know, I don't really have an opinion. I think part honestly, one thing about a Batman movie is like you don't want to see a lot of Batman. That's what makes him yeah interesting. You know, um, and so, but you got to be able to play um, Bruce Wayne and Batman. I thought Ben Affleck like nails both of those. He's yeah. fully, you know, Bruce Wayne, the playboy, and then the, um, you know, just the super angry old man. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's Batman. Y- you know, in the comics, Bruce Wayne was a guy who was really wrestling with demons. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it, again, it's sort of, a, it's become a trope, but he, he's murdered. His parents are murdered in front of him. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Christian Bale never really struck you as someone. His Bruce Wayne never, I guess, in, in Rises, when he's sort of in that cave prison and wherever. Yeah. That's, that's the only time you really see the emotional fragility of his character yep. you know he's kind of recovering from his being having his back broken by bane but ben affleck in real life i mean th- this isn't like celebrity gossip he's someone who's openly talked about wrestling with demons and i feel like that yeah, sort of yeah. translates into the character mm-hmm. yeah i think so too well that brings me speaking of batman to my next to my number four pick uh and I, i'm interested on your 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 take on this because this is this is one that I feel like is easily forgotten, but it meant a lot to me at the time, and that's Batman the Animated Series. Um, oh yeah, it, it ran from 1992 to 1995. During those years, I was not that was my ages nine to twelve, and so I was like, right, it came out in the afternoons after school, and you know, it's like, oh yeah, I got to watch Batman the Animated Series. And at that point in my life, my only real exposure to Batman was like the uh, Adam West stuff. You know, that was, I was too even young to realize it was sort of camp and and satire. And when I started watching the animated series, you know, it was a show that was based on uh, a lot of the work of, of, you know, Frank Miller storylines. Batman was a darker character. And the villains in the, even though this is a show made for kids, 
you were really meant to have empathy for every one of them, or at least at yeah. least if it wasn't empathy, you wanted they, they really seemed genuinely concerned at understanding their motives, and it made for just some really incredible storytelling. And it had it had its own kind of visuals, that kind of angular animated style. Did you watch Batman the animated series as a kid? Definitely, I saw all of it, and it would it definitely was in competition for like top ten. Yeah, yeah, what, yep. What what was because obviously you were still in the you were a kid when it when it came out. Yeah. What was you know for me it was sort of a gateway to more like grown up comic stuff. Yeah. You know, um, uh, but for you know in your opinion, were were did it change the way you thought about comics at all when you saw it? Um, I was already kind of somewhat into comics, you know. Um, but yeah, Batman as a whole. I mean, you know, because the the first Batman, the first uh, Tim Burton Batman movie came out. Probably it was probably planned. You know, they did the Tim Burton Batman movie and then Batman the animated series around the same yeah. time. Um, and that was super dark, especially you know for and uh, that came out in '89 as well. So I was nine, yeah, or ten. So. You know, especially for a kid, that was super dark. Yeah. You know? And for me, like, my parents wouldn't let me see that. But the okay. animated series, I could watch that. And yeah, I, it's I mean, cartoon. I saw yeah. it. I wasn't yeah. supposed to see it, but I saw it. You know. Um, so maybe, yeah. It's sort of that and the X-Men animated series kind yeah. of all around the same time. Yeah. And I was already into comics, but that definitely, I could understand those <laughs> shows yeah. a little bit better. Yeah. And. You know? And I love the X-Men. There was a time when I was a kid where that show was everything, you know? But I felt like it... Well, one, it wasn't as artful. Like, I've gone back and watched <laughs> clips from both shows, and you're like, oh, that not, old X-Men. Yeah. They, 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 I don't know what the budget was on this, but it's not the greatest animation. And they kind of got it like... Some of the characters sort of were were a little corny. Um, but but with with the animated series, it was like they committed to a style and really just yeah. kind of ran with it. And I, I just yeah. felt like it, it worked for what it was and it really stood apart. Um, yep. But, you know, it's one of those... I, I'm interested for my son or daughter, for that matter, to revisit it because I feel like it is such a compelling show, you know? Yep. And I really like, too, how the movies... I get a little bit annoyed how the movies, they reboot Batman usually before they're able to bring in sort of second and third tier yeah. villains, you know? Yeah. And like, I don't ever need to see a movie with the penguin again. I could care less about the penguin or the Riddler. The Joker is, you know, he's classic. Yeah. You know, but I, I really don't care about, it's sort of like, let's do a Joker movie. Then we got to get the penguin and the Riddler. I don't care. I would rather see Killer Croc or Clayface. Yeah. Or Harley Quinn was great. You know, Harley Quinn was never in the comic. Harley Quinn was uh, created for the cartoon for the animated oh, really? series. Really? Yeah. And so she was so popular, she ended up in the comic and then eventually, of course, in the movie. Yeah, because you could make a case that Batman the Animated Series was a show about villains that Batman happened to be a part of. You <laughs> exactly. know what I mean? Like, like all the storylines were really about them. And that's what made it so good, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I feel like it... And maybe this is a stretch. It, it could be. But I feel like it sort of at least laid some groundwork for films like Logan or Joker yeah. that were meant to not be that that actually meant to kind of take comic books seriously you know yeah. but, but but by the way did Joker or Logan were they on your bubble at all definitely Logan was definitely on my list and the Joker I really enjoyed it it's such a hard movie to watch yeah um it was a great movie so I guess as far as like if you're talking about just what is a really great piece of art it's definitely in the top 10 
Yeah. As far as movies I want to watch over and over, it's yeah. not really one of those. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll be returning to it anytime. <laughs> like, hey, you're supposed to chill out and watch uh, Joaquin Phoenix turn into a psychopath? Yeah. Like, watch someone just this social outsider be tortured? Yeah. Yeah. I think, too, I love movies about organized crime. Yeah. And I was actually really looking forward to a Joker movie where he sort of takes over the, the mob. I guess that would have been, you know, a bit of a trope. Yeah. You know, but at the same yeah. time, I was kind of pumped about that. I was like, it's a great director, it's a great lead actress, it's, yeah. you know, and and I was hoping for that type of movie. And yeah. I realized, it's like, oh, this is not that type of movie at all. Th- th- this so, is Taxi Driver. You know, this is a character study. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, this is just exactly. like, yeah. Which is a great piece of art. Yeah. But again, it's not one. It's like, hey, everybody, Joker's on. Let's go. Know. You know? <laughs> Everyone want to get depressed tonight? Uh, all I right. So, so I have 300 Batman animated series. Uh, my number three was Watchmen. My number one was Into the Spider-Verse we talked about. So my final, the final one on my list uh, uh, is, is, is my favorite movie in the MCU. Um, right. uh, it, it, and I would say, honestly, by a pretty far margin, just because the first time I saw it, I, I, my expectations were so high because it had, I felt like, one of the best trailers for, uh, for any yeah. movie, uh, movie in general, and that's Black Panther. The first oh, time yeah. you see that trailer and the Run to the Jewels song is playing. The world is changing. Soon, there will only be the conquered. You are a good man. Step into the spotlight. It's a good heart. And it's hard for a good man to be a king. It had like its own sort of uh, like style. And I wasn't all that familiar with the Black Panther origin story because he's a more obscure character. I guess not completely obscure, but he's not like a household name like some of the Marvel characters are. Um, and, you know, I was really interested, too, because Ryan Coogler d- directed it. And his only other film at that point was Fruitvale Station, which was sort of an indie film about a police shooting that starred Michael B. Jordan. And it's like, so Marvel's giving this, who knows, a few hundred million dollar budget <laughs> to a young... I think at that, when he directed it, he was close to like 30 years old, you know, wow. who his yeah. only film before that was this kind of... It was an acclaimed indie film, but it was a small budget indie film. And then, uh, you know, uh, obviously, I feel like a lot of people have reflected on the work of Chadwick Boseman since he, he recently yeah. passed away. Um, but, I, you know, it was like, okay, I feel like they, they have a cool lead character. It seems like this, this filmmaker has a certain style he wants to capture. And then just the, the way that Wakanda is presented in the film mm-hmm. is... It's unbelievable. It's, it's a different world. Like... I feel like in the MCU, there's like Asgard and there's sort of these different places that they kind of play with. But there's nowhere that felt as just like when when Wakanda is on the screen, you're like looking around to look at the cool little details. (laughs) It's so cool. The the other thing, too, is Killmonger, in my opinion, is maybe the best villain in the MCU, not because he has, you know, not because he's powerful, but because his motives are so complicated. I guess Thanos has pretty complicated motives, you know? Yeah. But, But it's also like, uh, I get your. I get you don't want to use their universe's resources, but I don't think mass genocide's the answer. But with yeah. you know, Killmonger wants to, in his own way, empower the disenfranchised and the marginalized. Yeah. Obviously, he wants to do it through violence. But uh, I just felt like all around, Black Panther was just it was entertaining. It was cool. 
it, it had it played with interesting themes and it and it did something I had, you hadn't seen before with you know creating this world like Wakanda. Where where, where does Black Panther kind of stand on your on your list of of you know sort of in, MCU in general? Yeah, it definitely could have been in my top five. Yeah, it definitely could have been in my top five. It's definitely one of my favorite uh, MCU movies. Yeah, yeah, and definitely one of my kids' favorite movies. Yeah, uh, Bozeman just did such a great job of yeah. making you love that character. Yeah, like you believed everything that he said. You know? Yeah, and everything in that movie is believable. There's every character, every major character. You like you believe them. Yeah, you know, like Wakanda feels real when yeah. you're watching the movie. You know, and the storyline is is pretty complex for a comic book style yeah. story, and um, and it just it hit at such an amazing time culturally. Like, oh yeah, it's just and it felt honest. It didn't feel. I do have a I do have a little bit of a pet peeve when people see an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, like we really need a movie like this in the world, so let's yeah. make it. I never yeah. want to think that's what the writer director's doing. I I just want to think that the writers like we're making an incredible film. Yeah. You know, and I never felt for a second like it was a specific statement based on what was happening in the world. But just because it was a great movie, at least that's how it feels. Because it was a great movie, it had something to say about yeah. what was going on in the world, you know? It, yeah. And, and something that, like, you know, was somewhat complicated and interesting yeah. to think about. The other thing, too, is like, I feel like DC is good with, you know, their flagship was Superman, who's this kind of symbol of nobility. And you, yeah. and you, you never really question, but the MCU, all of their heroes sort of have uh, edges, I would say, aside from like Captain America, right? He's mm-hmm. sort of their symbol of virtue and nobility. But to your point about Chadwick Boseman, as soon as he steps on, it's the first time you see him, you know? Yeah. You're like, this is... His character was meant to represent an idea of what noble, selfless leadership could look like. And he yeah. was committed to it from the beginning. It wasn't like a Tony Stark who had to go through this big character arc. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. He's a good person. And that yeah. anchored the movie so well. You know? Yeah, totally. Um, well, uh, that is... This makes me want to go back and watch some of these. Like, all over again. It's like, dude, I forgot how good it was. Yeah. But, John Mark, this was so much fun, man. I appreciate you uh, uh, breaking down some of your favorite movies for us, man. Yeah, man. I loved it. I always love talking about comic books. So, yeah. you know. Well, cool, man. Well, well, hey, uh, I would definitely want to encourage listeners to head to johnmarkmcmillan.com and check out the live album dropping on October 30th. John Mark, dude, seriously, man, thanks again. This was a blast. Yeah, man, anytime. Anytime.